Are you ready for your customers to know, like, and trust you? Well, email marketing is by far the most effective way of achieving that. And I've partnered with Aweber to give you a completely free 90-day trial. So get started today at excellence-expected.com forward slash Aweber and use the code EXEX. Hey, welcome to session four of the Straight Talking Guide to launching your first product. Now, you've come this far, but when you get to product launch, you're going to need to know what to measure. And that is what this session is going to teach you. How to decide what's important and actually what your single key performance indicator, your single KPI should be. Now, there are many things that you can measure in your business, from vanity metrics through to things that actually move the needle. But very often, there is just one specific metric, one specific KPI that you can use to determine whether your business is on the right track or not. So today, I'm joined by the author of Running Lean and the founder of UserCycle, Mr. Ash Moria, who's going to help us define what that single key performance indicator should be. And by the end of the session, you will know exactly how to determine what your own single KPI is. So this is session number four. And as ever, all of the supporting resources for this session are available to you for free at excellence-expected.com. Let's dig in. I've been an entrepreneur myself for a really long time, over a decade now. And what I do is um, my most recent startup or a company is really about helping other entrepreneurs. And along the way, I happen to have written a couple of books, Running Lean and Scaling Lean. I'm also the founder of Lean Stack, which is a business modeling and a lean startup uh, uh, platform. Excellent. So you've been around startups, you've been around entrepreneurs, you've been through that yourself. And obviously you'll have had the highs and the lows and the failures and the successes that we all associate with uh, with entrepreneurship, which is a fun ride. And obviously this session is very much around figuring out what the single most important measurement, the single most important key performance indicator in any business or in any product launch cycle is. So let's just talk a little bit about that for a second. What kind of problems do you see entrepreneurs and startups having in this field? What, what's, what's the kind of landscape like out there when it comes to measuring success right now? Yeah, so the world has changed. So we used to be at a point where it was hard to measure things, you know, analytics, and, and there weren't as many analytics tools. Um, trying to get just data was hard. Uh, I feel we have gone to the other, other extreme now. Now, with just uh, a few lines of JavaScript code, you can use one tool or the other one, Google, Google Analytics being the most, uh, most popular one. And we don't get you know, a few metrics, we get thousands of metrics. So the world has changed where now it's not about can we measure things, but rather what should we be measuring? Because the opposite problem now that we have is that we don't get clarity, we actually drown in a sea of numbers. That is a really, really articulate way of putting it as well. The the focusing on the right thing is a real, real challenge because it's very easy to kind of feign success, isn't it? And even actually, it's very easy to fake failure, you know, and sit here thinking to yourself, what's going on? Nothing's happening. The Nothing's moving. The needle's not moving. And actually, if you're measuring the right thing, you can start to see the trends that actually do matter. So right. from your experience, what is a key performance indicator? What is a KPI? And I suppose to turn that around as well, what isn't a KPI? What, what is not a key performance indicator? 
Right. So, so key performance indicator, it should be rather self-explanatory, although it's one of those things that's more easily said than done. So we see a lot of people picking, or I would say cherry picking the metrics that seem to be going up and to the right. And we say those are the key performance indicators because it shows we're making progress. The problem is that there's a fine line between, I prefer the term actionable metric and vanity versus, versus the vanity metric. So a key performance indicator is just a metric that you want to use to measure your performance. So that's the simple definition there. But for me, the distinction really is that you want to make sure you're picking that right metric. So when we get into the trap of picking vanity metrics, we start picking things that you know make it appear like we're making progress, but when we kind of dissect further, we aren't. Um, sometimes the way we actually measure the metric itself makes it more actionable versus not. Um, a great example of this is cumulative you know, signups. If I look at the cumulative signups on my opt-in page, for instance, and I start measuring that since the beginning of the year, that number can go nowhere but up and to the right. Because every week, there's going to be a trickle of, of signups coming in, typically, if you've got the systems right. Um, so it will seem like, oh, you know, month over month, we're growing and we're getting more opt-ins. And so we, we pat ourselves on the back. But what is more actionable is to look at that on a monthly basis or even a weekly basis to see, is the sign-up rate actually going up or are we just accumulating and kind of just adding these numbers all together? So when you aggregate metrics, it gives you the illusion that you're making progress. But when you normalize it and look at it on a weekly basis or a month-by-month -month basis, you might actually find that the sign-up rate is just flat. You know, we, we Out of every 100 people that hit the site, we might be signing up 30%. And that's okay, but that's a more actionable metric because the next thing should be, how do I go from 30% to 40% or 50%, not how do I pat myself on the back that I'm getting getting these these uh, these opt-ins. And again, such an articulate way of putting it, the, this idea of, of the cumulative metrics and, and, and just completely adding onto things all the time. We see right across the board from content creation in podcasting right through to the startup world when it's something like app installs. You know, you, you do see that right across the range. And I think that's it's a very important distinction to make for the for the early stage entrepreneur, for the first time entrepreneur, because very often you've not been you've not been conscious of anything at all in terms of measurement. You are just measuring the things that other people tell you to measure. And I feel that I, I sort of don't buy into this whole, you need to experience failure to be a success. <laughs> like it, one failure and one success versus two successes. It's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. And I feel that for the early stage entrepreneur, getting this right early on is, is, is almost the most vital thing you can do because yeah. if you don't nail it down. You actually don't know what matters. And what are some of the symptoms of not, getting that right what are some of the, and some of the effects as well that that can have on the business particularly i guess just focusing on the startup scene for a second what can be the impact of that three six twelve months in if you do get this 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 indicator wrong oh it's i mean i guess the best analogy is taking a road trip so imagine taking a road trip and not having any instrumentation so you know you want to go from i don't know i'll just use i'm, I'm in austin i want to go from austin i want to head north towards toronto and I get in my car and I have no instrumentation. I don't know how fast I'm going. I don't know in which direction I'm going. I don't have a map. Um, every once in a while, I might look out the window and see certain things. And that would be the, 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 uh, the analogy of kind of you're almost driving blind. It's like you have blindfolds on and you are kind of just looking out and whatever data. And that's when you describe the entrepreneurial roller coaster. Um, that's what that will feel like is that every day nothing has changed, but you will look outside 
And depending on which metric or which, which data you look at, you're going to either convince yourself you're on the right path or you're going to freak out completely. Yeah, I love that. And, and they, they sort of, um, I'm thinking about myself when I first started in business, you sort of bang your head against a bit of a wall and you sort of laid on the desk there thinking, why am I working all of these hours? And all of these kind of cool things are happening, but actually there's no money flowing in all. There's no opportunity to move forward with any traction. It's, you're sort of just measuring the wrong thing without any kind of any kind of GPS at all. I think that analogy works works perfectly. And just to kind of focus in on this single KPI theory then, this idea that you can measure so many different things. I mean, there are a thousand things that any one of us could measure. You mentioned earlier about analytics being so accessible from Google Analytics through to Hotjar and things like that, but also things that we can measure in our own business, things like yep. the active users versus app installs versus cumulative email totals and so on. Why is it important to define a single KPI, that, you know, the one that really matters to your business? Does What weight does that carry in the business? Yeah, so 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 I I don't want to make it sound like all analytics are useless and all data is useless. So I want to just be clear on that. Um, as we'll kind of discuss, I guess further, you'll see that there's a layering approach. You have to start at the very top level. So you have to start at the macro. So what is that one metric that if you could measure will prove that your business model is working or not? So if I walked into my stakeholders' office, whether it's myself, you know, my spouse, an investor, um, if you work in a big company, maybe some some budget gatekeeper. But if I walk in their office and say, "Look at what the business is doing," and I show them this one number that's going up and to the right, and it's measured in the right way, um, both they and 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 we and 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 us get very excited. And that's that's that one metric. Now to understand, you know, where and what's causing it, you know, that's where secondary metrics come into play. But let's start with that one metric. You have to start with that. That so, if I use the driving analogy, it could be the mileage marker. So, if I have, you know, if I know that I have to travel a thousand miles, and that mileage marker is heading in the right direction and it's ticking off, I know I'm in that in that right direction. And then there could be the secondary metrics, but you have to start with that one metric that drives the business model. Yeah, for sure. I completely completely get that 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 idea that. I like the idea of the layering as well, insofar as you've got this just this one metric. And, you know, something like Facebook or Twitter, although Twitter probably uh, don't like to publicize it, but the number of active users yeah. against a startup versus the number of signups. And again, back to the app installs, the app downloads and registrations, you know, the active users, that's a really live example of that KPI. And if you can see that hockey sticking up to the right, that's a really, really good sign. And you mentioned something there about layering, Ash, and I'd really like to dig into that as well, because... You're right. There are so many other metrics and there are so many piece of, pieces of analytics data that we can use that are still very important. How do they factor in when we consider this one number at the top? How do they factor in beneath that? Yeah, so they all feed into it. So I, actually, maybe let's spend a little bit of time since you brought the Twitter example. I think it will help help the, the listeners to kind of understand how you, you come up with that one metric because it is very business model specific. Um, but at the same time, there aren't that many business model types. I often will say there are just three basic business model types. And for each of them, there's that one metric that you should be focused in on. So let's kind of walk through that. So the, the, the classic business model is your direct business model. So this is where you've got one user that becomes a customer. So your classic lemonade stand, your coffee shop, you know, and selling any kind of a digital product, maybe a course where people come in. They might browse it if they like it, they buy it. You know, so that would be your, your one actor model. Um, there, that metric is pretty easy. You're, you're trying to figure out what is the customer behavior that is causing them to buy. 
And of course, the things that you have to make sure is focusing in, on, in, in those cases on the pricing model, on the lifetime value of the customer, because as we all know, it may be a strategic uh, decision to give away a, a free version of the product or a lower price version of the product for a higher upsell down the road. Uh, but you want to be strategic about that. So you still want to understand what is the, the value you're creating. So a business model does three things. It creates value. So what is the value you're creating? Um, how do you deliver that value? Is it over one product, over multiple products? Is it over a long period of time? And then how do you capture some of that value back for yourself? And that last part is the key thing. So I, I get all entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs just want to be in the, oh, I want to build this thing and just create a lot of value for people. But if you don't have a way of capturing value back, aka getting paid, then you have a hobby versus a business. So for me, I really hone in on that. So there you want to really dig in to, you know, what are people using today? What are they paying for those things? You know, what are you offering? How is that different? How is that, how is the, how is the value proposition stack against it? Can you charge a premium? If not, are you going to discount? And if not, and so how does that business model work? So th those would be the, the questions you ask. But the one metric you want to ask yourself is if the rate of customers that you are creating is going up and to the right, then the business model is working. So that one is a, is a simple example. If we go to the multi-sided, that's like the Twitter and the Facebooks of the world, there we have two sides of the story. So all of us might use Twitter, might use Facebook, but we don't pay them money. Um, but we do pay them something. We pay them with our data, with our attention. So there we have this idea of a derivative asset. And the one metric there that matters, the question Twitter and Facebook ask themselves is how do we take this derivative asset, which for them are active users, as you pointed out, or engagement, and how do we turn that into money? And who's going to pay for that? In their case, the business model is backed by advertisers. So they are the true customers. We are all users in that, in that model. And so the exchange rate, the CPMs or the CPC that, that they sell to the advertisers for each engaged user um, is essentially that one metric. So yes, you want to make sure that the active users are going up and to the right, um, but also you want to make sure that you can monetize those active users. So we have seen some examples um, like Snapchat, for instance, where their monetization engine not as strong as Facebook. So while they've got a lot of active users, we know that that's interesting but it's almost like having a mountain with a whole bunch of you know, diamonds in the middle, but we have to still dig to get them out, um, while Facebook makes it a lot more accessible for their investors to pull out those diamonds. Um, so that would be the multi-sided model. And then the last one that I'll just quickly talk about is the marketplace. So this is your classic um, Airbnb or Etsy or, or, a, or a Uber type of a model. So here you have buyers and sellers, and here the thing you want to measure is not the number of buyers that you have or the number of sellers, but realizing that they're they're really that the business model works when you bring them together. So it's a harder business model because you have to work on two things at once. But when you make a transaction happen, when a buyer comes and buys something from a seller, you then stand to capture some value back. So it's either a commission, an affiliate, something that, that you can you can charge money for because that transaction happened. So in those models, I tell entrepreneurs figure out what the the transaction metric is and only focus in on that. So if you were trying to do an Airbnb for parking spaces, it's not the number of parking spaces you have or the number of people interested in parking spaces, but the number of hours of parking that you actually rented out last week versus this week. If that number is going up and to the right, then I know your business model is working. Yeah, I love that. And that idea of the marketplace, I think is a, is a really good example as well. That, that for me is the standout, um, I guess, 
curveball in terms of metrics, you know, that's the one that people starting out for the first time might not quite see because it's not something tangible. It's not value return directly, is it? You're measuring something to return the value. And there's a yeah. great example. Um, one of the sponsors of uh, of this season of Excellence Expected is the Ignite Pre-Seed Accelerator. And one of their cohort is Chew TV, which is a marketplace for DJs um, and for, for, for listeners. And their one metric, their key metric is every month, how much audio have we streamed? And it's a fantastic metric because they see that going up and to the right and they know they're building traction. You know, they've got something that investors want to see, that users want to see, that adds validity across the entire range of the business. Um, and then sort of to, to sort of pull that back to this kind of layering idea, they've got these other layers of metrics that they know if they hit, yeah. that metric will move forward in the right way as well. And that, that I think that's a really interesting concept, especially for, for the early stage entrepreneur who may be used to, a transaction which is taking money in return for direct value you know yeah 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 and and, and the layers kind of have to tell a, a cohesive story and so that's that's kind of the, the key point there is that they almost give you predictive powers and so like in the in the example you just gave they know that if if more content is being streamed they have a way to monetize that so right now they don't need to even worry about monetization because that can happen you know sometimes weeks or months down the road, you know, depending on, on what on their business model, you know, who's paying or what the tipping point is. Um, so it's like Facebook, when they started out, you know, they weren't, they went into their investor's office and they were making a fraction of the amount of money that their competitors were, but they walked out with twice the valuation because they could show th that these metrics are working, the leading metrics are working. And if we just scale that piece up, if we, if that number sticks as we go to other schools and as we we go outside schools, then this is a massive, massive business model. And that's that's the power of these this type of thinking is that you want to figure out what is that one metric you want to measure, but then what are those inputs to it? What are those leading kind of layered uh, metrics that are in, inputting into it? And if those inputs are going up, you can take that educated leap of faith that the other metric will also go up in time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a very interesting way to build a funnel and. You see in a lot of, um, again, a lot of sort of accelerator programs and a lot of um, a lot of other pieces of content out there for founders and for entrepreneurs online in particular around building this funnel. And is that something that when you're working with startups, when you're working with entrepreneurs, do you work with people on on saying, listen, let's build this funnel around these layers? Is that a, is that yeah. a solid way to build that funnel? It, it is. So, uh, although I've moved, I've shifted my thinking from the funnel simply because I found that funnels are, you know, funnels give you the impression that you have this linear kind of flow to your to your customer behavior, and I found that that isn't the case. So, a classic example or a classic thing that falls apart from the funnel is referral. So, when we build a funnel with a referral, we sometimes don't quite know when to stick it in because people will refer you when they're feeling happy, uh, but you can't predict when that happens. And so, I have in 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 my, uh, my newer book, Scaling Lean, I kind of take the funnel approach and make it more of a system-like diagram with kind of loops in them because referral is essentially a feedback loop. It's a point, if you can create value for a customer, um, they get happy enough that they're going to tell a friend or tell someone, um, that's when referral happens. And so that's when you want to draw this loop back. And they're essentially, it's an acquisition loop. They're bringing somebody else to the party. And so that's how I would look at that. Um, what's also interesting to point out is that the inverse is true as well, is that if I make somebody unhappy enough, which is the inverse of happiness, um, they'll refer me too, but they'll actually say bad things about me, which I don't want them to. And But that also happens, and that's a negative loop that you get. 
So I think that when you look at the funnel, you sometimes fail to see it. And so I have this kind of, I, I'm a big fan of Dave McClure's pirate metrics, which some of your, your uh, listeners may, may be familiar with. And it walks through five key metrics that are kind of feed into the, the traction metric or that one metric that I was talking about. And so those are the ones that I recommend people start with. So when you're starting out, you know, sure, you can go get the Google Analytics account, you know, but don't don't overinvest in in all the metrics yet. I tell people, figure out that one metric and then figure out these five metrics. Um, and if you can measure just those things, that gives you the, say, using the dragon analogy, it gives you the mileage marker and it gives you a guidance system. So it, it tells you whether you're headed in the right direction or not. And then if you still need to figure out, you know, what's going wrong at that point, invest in those additional metrics. And that's when they become useful. AWeber is an email service provider. We were founded in 1998 and we provide a full suite of web-based email marketing tools so that you can grow your list. You can create and send beautiful emails and you can also set up email automation, different workflows uh, to automate emails being sent to your subscribers. And this is absolutely crucial for entrepreneurs when they're launching their product because you need to know your audience and they need to know you and start to build a relationship with you. So you can build up anticipation for your product launch. You can promote your product after it's launched and you can really continue to have the conversation with your subscribers in in a very personal place, which is their inbox. We typically do a 60-day trial, but for this podcast, we're going to be offering a 90-day free trial that's up to 500 subscribers. If you have 500 subscribers on your list and to get access to that, simply use the code XX, that E-X-E-X, when you go to sign up for your AWeber account. And you can get all the details on this offer at excellence-expected.com slash AWeber. Listen, for any small business, cash flow is a big, big deal. Knowing what's coming in and what's going out, and more importantly, when, will of course help businesses like mine and like yours to survive. But beautiful accounting software from Zero can actually help your business to thrive. Zero helps small businesses like yours, like mine, to stay on top of their cash flow anytime, anywhere, and from any device. And with over 100,000 UK subscribers alone, it's clear that Zero is the UK's leading cloud accounting software. To try Zero for free for 30 days, head to excellence-expected.com forward slash zero. That is X E. R-O. Jim Rohn once said that we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. And when you start your business, being around the right people can mean the difference between success and failure. The Ignite Accelerator program is a place to focus. It's a place to make lifelong friends and it's a place to create a network ranging from top investors to some of the world's most successful founders and entrepreneurs. How do I know? Because I spent 14 weeks of my own life going through the program and it changed me. It made me into a measurably better entrepreneur. So if you are ready to focus, if you are ready to take your passion and turn it into a real business, then you're ready to take action today and check out this free accelerator program. But hey, don't just take my word for it. Find out for yourself over at excellence-expected.com forward slash ignite. Let's turn that on its head a little bit then. So we understand the importance of the single KPI and how that layers in and how you can create these other metrics that feed into that to give you the GPS and then ultimately push you into the mile marker scenario. What about vanity metrics? What about the things that we measure because we want to feel either good or we're not quite sure what we're looking at or we don't know how to measure the success? 
What about vanity metrics? They obviously exist. What do they look like and what are some of the effects that they can have? Yeah, so I mean, I guess I, 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 I don't want to be completely negative on vanity metrics because I think there is a place for them. Um, and where, where people use them to, to great effect is um, when they go on their landing pages and they show social proof. So it's great to show that, oh, we've got all these number of users and it's signaling to your competitors that we are bigger than, than you think we are. So it's, it, it does have that kind of signaling effect. So when Skype launched uh, way back, uh, they were talking about the number of downloads. You know, it was some 13 million. I still have a screenshot from 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 that that I use in some of my talks. It was 13 million downloads. I guarantee at that time they didn't have all 13 million uh, people actively using the product. There may have been a fraction of it. Maybe it was one million active users. But 13 sounds much better and bigger than one. And so on their marketing website, that's what they were using. So it does have that effect. Over the years, they actually shifted from talking about downloads to talking about active users once that number became respectable enough. So you can do those types of things. The danger we run into is when we fall into the trap of thinking that those vanity metrics are indeed what we should use internally to pat ourselves on the back. So that's you know where I feel that that goes astray. So nothing wrong with again you know showing your numbers cumulatively. You know you've got these many users, but internally know what the truth is. And and this is where kind of thinking almost like a, you know, thinking almost in batches, you know, when, when we bring customers in, we bring customers every month, say into our, into our product, you want to think in terms of batches. So are those batches getting better? Are we converting people at a better rate? Are they engaging? Are they staying longer? Um, and even if things are staying the same, that's fine. The business model is working. But to me, that kind of thinking is what we need to do internally, not the cumulative aggregate type of thinking. That's interesting. What can some of the when if if you do focus on vanity metrics, and I'm 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 conscious that a lot of people for the first time will be like kind of looking at measuring their success, especially um, probably much less in the startup side of things because there's a lot of support around that. I'm thinking now for the content creators that are maybe creating a product or a service yep. to to match an audience, you know, that they've already got. What can the effects of the, the vanity metric focus be? What Again, back to the question from earlier, sort of three, six, 12 months in, if we do focus on the vanity metrics, what are the results going to look like? What are some of the symptoms that you're going to see on the back of that? Yeah, so I, I, I generally just find um, people trying a lot of things to, to drive the... So often people will know I, I, want, to, I want to get more money or I want to convert more, more sales of my product. Um, but when you look at the vanity metrics, it on the one hand, sometimes it looks like, you know, all these things look good. And I've been in that boat many times. You know, we're getting new people coming in. We just need to convert them. Um, you know, we get new people um, kind of using the product and they leave. You know, we don't know why, but we just need to improve the product. And so I find that we do a lot of things where we kind of spread ourselves too thin. So we are trying to fix the front end of the funnel. You know, we're trying to bring more people in. We're trying to improve the product. We're trying to improve the conversion of, or what we think is going to lead to conversions, uh, but, the, but without really knowing. Um, so that's why I would say that, you know, rather than looking at things cumulatively, we need to take a more experimental mindset, which is you have to baseline where you are. Um, you have to kind of get, a, you know, get an understanding of how is the business doing? And that's where looking at some of those five metrics. So, what is your acquisition kind of funnel look like? So, how are you? How are how are people signing up to the product? Um, if I kind of go down that the, the five R's of the, of the pirate metrics, you know, are you activating people? So, when they initially sign up, 
Are they doing something useful enough that makes them come back? And then when they come back, how often are they coming back? Are they coming back every day? Are they coming back every week, every month? Because if they stop coming back, then they're not going to buy either. So those are the kind of things you want to start measuring. And then at some point, they're going to buy. And your data will start telling you, maybe in your offer, you've got a trial that expires, and so they have to buy then. Um, in a freemium model, we don't have an expiration, but we know after a while that people are going to outgrow the products, and so you can predict when they should buy. Um, but you want to measure the revenue that's coming out of there. And then the last piece is referral, is that that's where, and I do this at the end, because if you can solve a problem for one customer, you then want to incentivize them or encourage them to bring more people, because that's a, a cheap acquisition channel. Um, now, again, all of these metrics, I just want to be very clear, you can measure them and make them become vanity metrics. If I start measuring you know, my revenue cumulatively over time, you know, since the beginning of the year, month over month, my revenue has gone up. You know, that again is not that interesting. I want to instead look at each time I bring new customers in, you know, what is the revenue per customer? And are the number of customers going up month over, you know, month by month, not month cumulative uh, uh, added up. Uh, but if you can do that kind of breakdown, you begin to benchmark how your factory, I call it the customer factory, but how your customer factory is performing. And that's when you can begin to pinpoint where your focus needs to be. Is it around acquisition? And usually it's not around acquisition. Most people get started and they can get enough traffic. Uh, these days, the bigger question is really conversion. We can get people to come and check out our stuff once, but can we make them stay? Um, usually it's around you know, activation is the first challenge, then retention, and then revenue. And so I often will encourage people to go about it kind of in a very systematic manner. And you know, whether you're doing weekly or monthly metrics, every week and every month, you are running a new set of numbers. And then you're almost benchmarking. You're saying last month, this is what it looked like this month. These are what the numbers look like. And then you will devise experiments. So you will devise kind of ideas for how to improve the one or two things that are broken in, the, in that factory or in that, if you want to call it a funnel. Um, and then you're going to change those things. And of course, this is where like a lot of the lean startup kind of kicks in as you start to do either split tests or you start to measure kind of cause and effects to really double down on the things that are working and then ignore the things that aren't. So at that point, the metrics becomes a great, you know, we use the GPS analogy to tell you where things are going wrong. And then if you bring in this experimental mindset, you can attempt to fix them. We don't know that they're going to really work, but that's our best guess. And then we can measure again. And if you measure again, again, not cumulatively, but in a, in a, in a batch manner, we can tell if the changes we just made actually had an impact or not. And if they did, we want to double down on those strategies. And if they didn't, we want to kind of stop spinning wheels and then try to pick new ideas to go test. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of that funneling back into the single KPI. Really, I'm thinking about the sort of in practice. If you, you know, you sort of imagine the entrepreneur sat there analyzing the data or the startup founder looking at the numbers for the investor reports, however it plays out, right. you can imagine this kind of batch idea against this single KPI and, you know, constantly moving towards the progression on that one. Because I think very often, personally, with a, a KPI that you put in place, it's much less about reaching a target as it is about optimizing this this idea of the batches and just continually making the batches as optimal as possible and, and kind yeah. of never stopping that you know is that a is that a fair assessment it yeah it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm glad you bring this up because it, it is almost and this is where some of you know thinking of businesses are complex they are like systems and so it's almost like looking at a uh, at a at a, at a uh, tube of toothpaste you know you may 
kind of push one area and then it kind of bulges in the other in another part. And there are all these unintended consequences. So a classic example, you know, if I say I have a sales problem, I just want to go and incentivize my salespeople. And I say, if you sell, I'll double your commissions. Um, what do you think is going to happen? You know, they're reasonably smart people. They'll go out and find a way to sell. Uh, but what may happen is that they may use aggressive sales tactics. They may use aggressive discounting tactics. And so while they're closing the deal and collecting their, their commissions, what ends up happening is that my churn rate, the amount of people that stick around or cancel at the following month may also go up because they kind of got forced into a sale. And so that's an example of where, you know, you can get this unintended effects where you can say, I want to just focus in on this area and brute force it. Uh, but when you brute force it, it can have unintended consequences. So that's why you always have to look at the traction or the overall metric at the end, that one traction metric. Because in this case, we want to make sure that we are keeping customers at a particular lifetime value for a period of time. And if I'm incentivizing my salespeople, I want to make sure that that doesn't break. Because if I can brute force sales and those people are now churning a lot faster, I've actually hurt the system. I've not helped it. Um, another example is, you know, I'll use a marketing example, but if I go to my marketers and I say, I just want more leads, um, a good marketer will ask me, how much money do I have to spend? Because uh, you can buy all the leads you want. They may be all crappy leads, but so they won't convert. But again, I'll, I'll incentivize him and I'll, I'll give him or her, you know, their, their, uh, their commission based on leads. And that's not, again, the right way to think about this. So you really have to think about your experiments, they can be focused in on one KPI or one part of the KPI, but it has to all, as I said, when I said the layering idea, it has to all add up to the business model goal at the end of the day. If that's not being met, uh, if that number is not going up and to the right, then all these local things are not really adding up. They're actually hurting the one, the one metric. Love that. Love that. Let's switch gear a second then. So let's think about the entrepreneur, the startup founder, the guy sat down creating his first product, his first idea, moving through this course, through this guide from ideation up to that MVP. How do we start to put a framework in to develop these KPIs? What characteristics should a KPI have? How do we actually systematically go about figuring out what matters, what that single KPI is? Yeah. So I guess my advice, so I'm a, I'm a you know, I, I do a lot of work with business modeling in Canvas. Um, so, so my the way that I start off many entrepreneurs is really have them sketch out the idea, um, and the business model canvas or the lean canvas is a great way to get that on one page. So it's essentially a one-page business plan for those that that may, may not have seen what the lean canvas looks like. Uh, but specifically, what I'm looking for there are the three jobs of the business model I kind of talked about a bit early on. So I want to understand how are they creating value. So who's their customer? What does that value proposition look like? You know, how do they actually create value? Is it when people buy their product and spend some time with it? And what are they doing, right? So you need, so you need to come down to customer behaviors that you can track because it's not enough to just say, oh, we're going to sell this and people are going to, their lives are going to get better, right? There has to be something specific. So if I was selling gym, if I was selling, if I was promising people um, a better, healthier life, to me, that one metric might be going to the gym. Like, are they actually going and doing their workout routines? I need to figure out like, what is that thing that they have to do? So how are you creating value? How do you deliver that value? So that comes into the solution pieces. But then the, the, uh, the last piece, again, is that uh, capturing value piece. And that's where I will kind of have people spend quite a bit of time is really understanding that one metric. So how are you capturing monetizable value from your business back? So is it 
from, you know, do your users become your customers? In, in which case, what are they buying from you at what price point and how long, you know, what is that lifetime value? Answer some of those fundamental questions. But that is the one metric you want to think about in those cases. If it's one of those two-sided models like a marketplace or the multi-sided, you want to figure out, you know, who are the buyers and the sellers and how do they transact or who are the users and the customers and what the customers buy that the users create. Um, you want to figure out what that, that thing is that you can track. And so if you can identify that one thing, um, at that point, you start thinking of the MVP. So how do I put my solution into place? And then you start figuring out what are those five input metrics that are going into this one metric that make it up. So again, if I was Facebook, I want to understand how do people initially find out about Facebook? So that's the acquisition step. You know, once they sign up, um, what can I give them that makes them go, oh, wow, this is amazing. I want to do more of it. So how do I front load a lot of that value? So that's the activation step. How do I bring them back? Uh, again, if you use Facebook, you know, Facebook has a lot of tactics up their sleeves. Um, when you even get uh, tagged in a picture, you know, you, you'll get an email notification. So they use email very effectively for that. So they bring you back to the site multiple times, even though you may not, you know, be intending to go there. They just pull you in. Um, or there's some trending story and everyone's talking about it, so they pull you in. Um, so those are all the retention kind of triggers. So you want to start figuring out how do we pull people back to our site so they keep doing the thing we want them to. And then, of course, the revenue side, how do we, and that goes back to the one metric, you know, who is the customer? Is it the user? Is it someone else? And when do they come into the picture and when do they buy and when do they, when do they pay? And then the last piece, again, is the referral piece, is that if that makes sense in some products that is inherently a side effect of using the product like Twitter or Facebook is you cannot get value unless you have other friends in it. Um, but in other case, in other businesses, you have to explicitly build that in. So you have to say, you know, you got value. Can you refer me to someone else or can you bring someone else in here? And like Dropbox, we might give you an incentive, might give you some kind of a kickback um, or in other cases, it's just word of mouth. So you have to figure out what that is. But I would, I would start getting people to lay out that blueprint. So what are the, what is that one metric what are these five metrics? And then you want to get to work as the MVP is out there, figure out the minimum amount of tooling you need to track those metrics and do it on a weekly basis to start. So, you know, the numbers are going to be very small, but again, I'd like to know this week I got 10 signups and last week I had five. So I've just, I've just gone from five to 10 and I can celebrate that instead of saying I have 15 signups today, that tells me nothing, right? So if I have 15 signups, that sounds very depressing. But knowing I went from five to 10, and if next week I can go to 15, that's that's progress. And that's what you want to get in the mindset of doing is set up a calendar and every week, you know, ext you know collect these metrics, whether they're from different tools or even manually collected, um, put them in some kind of a dashboard, whether it's a spreadsheet or a, or a PowerPoint or keynote file. And then if you just keep that up to date, I guarantee that just that activity, it's like we say, you know, if you're trying to become um, good at business, you just start keeping the books for a while and even just do it manually for a while. And you understand a lot about how your business works. Similarly, if you want to understand how your metrics work, just keep, you know, keep updating these metrics for a few weeks and you will know where the bottlenecks are. Uh, and that's where I would recommend people, people start. That last part in particular really strikes strikes a chord with me. This um this idea that you've got to know the mechanics of everything. You've got to really dig in and you've got to understand every little piece of that puzzle. You know, a lot of people say, ah, you know, the data's not for me. I'm not a paperwork guy or I'm not, a, I'm not a person that likes the numbers. You know, I think that every entrepreneur, any early stage entrepreneur and, and particular startup founders and people running a solo business, you've got to understand that mechanism so 
intrinsically because if you don't, you just you're not going to understand what's gone wrong later. You're not going to know where to do the fine tuning, are you? So I think that is so so vital. Ash, that has been such a good session. There's a heck of a lot of takeaways, and I feel like we've moved people right through that journey and, and really helped people get a solid idea of how to create their own single KPIs and of course those five supporting KPIs. So just before we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts, any parting words of wisdom for the guys listening? <laughs> uh, something I've been telling a lot of people and I find to be the secret of all of this. I know this is maybe a little out of context from a metrics perspective, but I feel that I, I can tie it in because even, even with metrics, what I find is that when things go wrong, um, you know, you, you, you look at, you know, uh, a conversion rate that you want to be at, you know, 30%, but it's at 3% and it's really depressing. Uh, people run away from that. So they'll, they'll say, well, you know, that failed, let's just go and drastically try something else. And to me, um, trying something else without understanding why there is failure is essentially a disguise, see what sticks strategy. So you might get lucky. So you might try something that actually works and that's great. But more often than not, I found too many people and we're in that boat as well. We, we do a lot of things where we're just throwing stuff out there and hoping it works. And then if it does, we say, oh yeah, we thought it would work all along. Um, and if it doesn't work, we just say, oh, we'll try something else. Uh, that's not a very optimal strategy of fixing the metrics. So we only talked about how metrics, you know, help you identify what, where things are going wrong. But what I want to kind of add in in closing is that when the metrics don't actually work, what you want to do is ask a, a really fundamental question, which is why is that happening? And oftentimes you have to go to the problem and not come up with new solutions. So you have to maybe devise a learning experiment. You have to, if I were doing an offer to my, uh, to, to my audience and they weren't buying, I would pick up the phone and call 10 of them. And I would just honestly ask them, you know, we put this out there, have you seen it? Yes, you know, we noticed we didn't buy. You know, we want to improve this. We just want to know what was it. And so they'll tell you whether it was price, whether it was a value, whether they understand something. But to me, that is hugely, hugely valuable because you can randomly keep guessing and improving the offer. And eventually you may give up because, you know, if that's, that doesn't get you to where you want to get. But picking up the phone and just talking to people or devising some other way to look at data um, is really where all the insights are hidden. So they're all hidden inside the failures. And so the, the, in closing, I want to say, don't run away from, some, from beginning failure. There's a reason why the hockey stick curve is flat. You're going to get a lot of invalidation, which is just par for the course, than validation. No one's idea you know, takes off with a hockey stick curve right from the beginning. It's called a hockey stick curve because you're going to go through that flat portion. But in that flat portion, if you're just running away from failure, I find you're not going to get to the breakthrough insights. But instead, if you dig your heels and kind of ask that fundamental question, why is this happening, and can uncover some root causes, that's where the breakthrough really, really is hidden. So love the problem, not your solution. Love that. That's tied in beautifully as well, sir. Thank you so, so much. That such a fantastic session. And I think a really important one for anyone. I think it's, uh, I don't think that's going away. I think that's something that uh, will stick with people for a long, long time. So Ash, thank you so much. And just before we do wrap it up, where can people connect with you online, sir? Where's the best place to get a hold of you? Yeah, the best place is uh, on my site, leanstack.com. Uh, that's where I, I blog. You'll find uh, a lot of other content that you can kind of dive into. So that's that's the best place to go. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ash. It's been a pleasure. So that was session number four, an extremely important session for determining what you should be measuring within your product, service, and overall business, actually. So don't forget, all of the supporting resources for this session are available to you for free at excellence-expected.com. So go ahead, grab those, and I'm going to see you in session five. 
Don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel.